Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, Fellowship Church, good morning. If you're wondering about the ladder, I'm going to do some electrical work up here in a little bit. But uh, no, I'm very excited about today. I'm excited about uh, this message. I, I believe it's a classic message. I believe it's one we've looked at before, but I believe it's timely for today. So I want to make sure that you're with me. So go ahead, elbow the person next to you. Tell them this one is for you today. This is for you. It is so easy to come to church, I'm telling you, and, and, and think, man, I wish my cousin was here. I wish, I wish my nephew was here. I hope she's listening right now, you know, but, but when we look at God's word, we see that God speaks his word so that it can affect each of us as individuals. And that's my hope and my prayer today, uh, that as we get into Jesus' teaching, he will affect us today. I got to tell you, I'm the type of person who I love a challenge. I, it doesn't matter what the challenge is, I love it. I, but I, I don't like things to be easy. I, I like difficult things. That's why I like to go hunting. I like, I like to go out on hikes. I like to go out on a run because it's a challenge. I know what you're thinking. You're like, you don't look like you run a lot. I, I, I do like the challenge of a run, but I also like the challenge of an eating competition. So that's why you get the mix that you get here. You know? and, and today, we're going to look into a passage of Scripture that it's really a challenging passage of Scripture. Uh, it's a famous passage of Scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And in this Sermon on the Mount, he begins to show us that the way that, that he looks at the life that he created for you and I, the way he expects us to follow him, is a challenging, um, it's a challenging flow. In fact, it's an upstream flow. I can remember several years ago, I read an article in an outdoor magazine, and the article was all about the best um, kayak adventures or canoeing adventures in the U.S. And many of the rivers that were talked about were back east, but it, it talked about the fact that there's a lot of people that do um, certain rivers over and over and over again, and they've never got the full experience of how great the river can be. And this article talked about the fact that if you really want to get the best experience on a kayak trip, it says that you need to get in the water and turn upstream and begin paddling upstream. And, and it started talking about the fact that, yes, of course, it is much more challenging, it's much more difficult, but there's so many more benefits that come with it because you're going to see the river in ways that no one else sees the river. Because just like in life, we get into the flow of the way life is going and we turn downstream, we take the path of least, least resistance and we have the same experience that everyone else has when we take that same path. But this article says if you will go through the effort and challenge yourself to go upstream against the flow, you're going to start seeing things that other people haven't seen. You'll see animals that other people haven't seen because the animals are trained to come and look upstream and see is anything floating 
floating down towards me, and they're not even looking downstream. They're not concerned that way because you'd have to be crazy to become an upriver. So, so you'd start to see animals that you wouldn't see beforehand. The experience that you can have kayaking can be completely different if you're willing to turn around and take the challenge of going upstream. And we see that Jesus shows us that, that this is his plan for our life. That the world would just go along with what's easy, but he has a plan for us where there's some challenge involved. And the challenge would be that we live life a different way, a way that he created us to live. And, and in doing so, it's the type of life where we're going to have better experiences, we're going to see more, we're going to have more adventure. But it's also going to be shocking to the world around us. The world's not going to understand when they start to see that we're living life a different way. Because being a follower of Jesus means that you're following him against the flow. It means instead of just being a person who goes through a pattern of sinning and making mistakes and failing and then coming back to God and apologizing, I'm so sorry God, and then sinning again and then I'm so sorry again, he's saying there's a different way. Instead of, instead of just constantly sinning and then, and then apologizing, you, you can start following me a different way. Instead of being a husband who who you hurt your wife's feelings every week and you, you, you frustrate her and you let her down and then you come with roses every week and you're buying her more stuff and buying her more jewelry. There, there's a different way. You could just live a life in a way that's a little more challenging, but you could start to live your life in a way where you're not just constantly going, uh, uh, going with the flow and hurting people over and over and over again. So we see that in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts to teach us what it looks like when we follow him and we follow him in such a countercultural lifestyle that the whole world's just like, I don't even know what to do with that. That's weird. Why do you act that way? I mean, how could you live life that way? I can remember one of the most uh, clear memories I have of seeing someone react um, to someone living life a different way. There's a story I've shared with you before, but it just it cracks me up. A story that happened about 13 years ago. Uh, we were at Outback Steakhouse. Uh, Rachel was uh, she was in the car seat still so this was a long time ago and my parents invited us on a Saturday to go to lunch with them at Outback Steakhouse and we're like okay we'll go I'm in I'm in flip-flops and shorts well my father just finished a funeral so he is in a very nice suit he's got his tie on they're already at the table waiting for us when we show up we get there and, and we're only there for a brief moment when the waitress comes to our table and asks Amelie and I, what would you guys like to drink? We're like, well, I'll take an iced tea. She goes, okay, and she turns around to leave the table. When she does, there's another waitress holding a tray full of food, and on the edge of this tray is this huge bowl, not just like the side dish bowl, a huge bowl of ranch dressing. Like, for one, I don't even know who orders that. I mean, like, what is your addiction to ranch dressing that you need the big bowl? But, but here it is on the side, and, and, and there was this, like, little wobble there, and she, kinda, she jumps back, and our waitress, ah! and it's like in slow motion, it, it kind of it rolls around, it rolls around, and it falls off. And now, in that brief moment where it's falling off towards the floor, we think, all is clear. We're good, right? No problem. It's, it's heading towards the ground. And I don't know how it happened. You, couldn't, you could not do this again if you tried a thousand times. But for some reason, the way that the bowl hit the ground on the side, it flipped. And when it 
flipped, the bowl stayed on the ground in this like baseball-sized glob of ranch dressing, flies through the air, and, and we're all ducking. Omelie's covering up Rachel. My mom kind of backs up against the side. I see it coming in slow motion and beautifully, like, like God was in heaven planning this to happen. It landed perfectly right in the middle of my father's head. Now, I gotta tell you, for just a brief moment, the entire restaurant, silence. And then all and I couldn't help it anymore. <laughs> Look at you. This poor waitress, she is like, she already has tears running down her face. She is so scared. She knows she's going to lose her job. She's just so messed up. She starts crying. I'm so stop laughing. Please stop laughing. I'm so sorry, sir. We'll fix this. I'm going to go get the manager. I'll run to the back. He'll clean your suit. I'm so sorry. And she's, she's just freaking out. And my, and my dad is there. And we are just laughing so hard. And the thing is, this waitress has lived in a culture her entire life that if you make a mistake, you're going to pay for it. If, if you fail, if you, if you don't do something just right, there's going to be a punishment. You're going to have to pay for it for a while. You're going to have to re-earn respect. You're going to have to re-earn trust. Um, it's going to take you a couple steps backwards. And I remember that it was in this time, in this moment, that this woman throughout this dinner started looking at us going, what is so different? What is so, what is so strange here because the, the flow of our culture is going in direct opposite direction than the way that this man is now treating me right now. Because he could have been cruel. He could have demanded so many things, but, but he sat there and he smiled and he said, can I get a napkin? <laughs> And we see in Matthew chapter 5 that, that Jesus begins to teach us as a follower of Christ that he has some expectations for us. He says, this is what it's going to look like if you're going to be one of my followers. I want the best for you. I want, I want good for you. And he starts speaking, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. It says, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. He was on the mountainside. That's why they call this the Sermon on the Mount. See, it's real hard to figure out there. And his disciples came to him began, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And I want to pause for a moment and tell you this word, blessed. I think that we can kind of mix this up a little bit of what it actually means. If you go all the way back to the Greek, it's deeper than just the word blessed. In the Greek, it's the word makarios, and makarios means fortunate. It means happy. It means blessed. And I know some of you, you, you've seen this before. If you've gone to Hobby Lobby, you've probably seen a poster of this teaching before, all the different ways that Jesus tells us how to be blessed. But, but if we take it all the way back to the original language, it can be transliterated as saying, if you want to live a happy life, you do these things. If you want to have a fortunate life, you do these things. If you want to have a blessed life, this is the type of life of a blessed person. He's teaching now very counterculturally. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I believe when we look at this and we see that this is, this is our creator himself, the son of God. Jesus, who was there from the beginning, he was there when he formed the world together and spoke the world into his existence. He was there when he formed you. I, I believe that when Jesus started teaching it here, it's not like he, he was just winging it. It's not like he went up, sat up on the mountainside and started recognizing that there's a whole bunch of people coming up. And, and he's like, oh, oh, uh, guys, um, I, I'm not ready for this. I left my notes in the boat, but like... Um, I don't know what to do here. I don't think that Jesus was just winging it and thinking since there's a whole group of people here, I've got to come up with some intelligent sounding things to say. It's not like you pulled out a little typewriter and started writing little sayings on little pieces of paper so we could put them in a cookie someday and maybe think he's smart, you know? No, this is your creator and this is your savior and he, he has a plan for your life and when he begins to talk to us, there's nothing about what he says that's random. In fact, I think as we slow down and take a real close look at the scripture, you'll see that everything that Jesus says follows a very logical progression. That, that if you want to have a happy life, a fortunate life, a blessed life, then there's going to be some steps involved. And as you take these steps, it's going to bring you closer and closer and closer to who God created you to be so that you could live the type of happiness and blessed life that he ultimately wants for you. So I want to take a little time uh, that we have together this morning and look at these eight steps. There's eight things he says to do and see the progression that takes place. And while we're talking about it, I think you're going to be able to recognize exactly what step that you're on today. And I believe you'll be able to see that, that though some of these steps might be frustrating and scary, you're there for a reason and the reason is that God can, can teach you and grow you there, but then so that he can move you to the next step. So we see the first step here, the first thing that Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this is kind of weird, because if he's using the word makarios, he's using the word blessed, happy, fortunate, he's saying if you want to be happy, you've got to be poor in spirit. Wait a minute. If, if you want to be blessed, you're going to be poor in spirit. If you, want to, if, if you want to have a good life, you're going to be poor in spirit. What is he saying here? He's saying, he's saying because this is countercultural, he's saying a, a blessed life, a happy life, is a life that, that ultimately is a life that recognizes that spiritually I'm poor. Spiritually, I'm broke. Spiritually, I'm lacking. When it comes to my spiritual life, I'm impoverished. I'm, I'm destitute. I'm busted. I need help. This isn't talking about money. Jesus isn't saying if you want to be happy that you have to be poor and not have any money. You know, he's talking spiritually, poor in spirit. You've got to get to a point where you recognize you don't have what it takes on your own. And there are people in this room right now that you're going through life frustrated and you're trying to find things that would, that would pacify you and try to make you feel better because what's actually taking place is you're starting to recognize that you're poor in spirit, that you don't have it within you in order to be happy on your own. 
You don't have it within you in order to be able to be blessed on your own. And he's saying, this is the first sign of the fact that I'm blessing you, is you now are starting to recognize that you're poor, that you're broke, that you need more. You don't have it within you in order to be able to be blessed on your own, but instead I'm starting to show you some of your own sin. Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah says, Then I said, it's all over, I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of the heaven's armies. He was saying, you know, I'm poor in spirit, but I'm willing to admit it. And, And that's the most difficult part of this step, is being able to be like Isaiah, where he go, okay, I don't have it together, I'm not doing okay, but I have to admit it. I have to admit to my Savior, yeah, I, I don't have it figured out on my own. I'm poor, I'm broke, I need help. Would, would someone help me? See, um, how many of you guys in here, you would admit that you don't like backseat drivers in your car? Anyone? Yes, I am one of those guys, I do not like having a backseat driver in my car. I was not aware of the fact that when you actually do your wedding vows, it's part of the ceremony. When, when you say like, in sickness and health, for, for better, for worse, for, for backseat driving or for the radio being really loud. Like, like I, I know there's, I married a backseat driver and I know I'm going to pay for this later. I love you, baby. I love you. You look, you look good today. You know that? Smoking hot. Smoking but I married a backseat driver. I did. Several years back, though, I made a mistake, and I bought a car that has a GPS. This GPS has a woman's voice who will tell me every time I make a wrong turn. So now I'm getting ready to go the wrong way. I turn, and my wife says, Dan, you're going the wrong way. And then the stupid radio turns down, and the lady says, recalculating, changing directions. I'm like, now I have multiple backseat drivers. And and I know I've done this to myself. It's my own fault, right? Like, if I would just follow the directions, I'd be fine. But the problem is, is I'm lost, and I'm unwilling to admit it. I wouldn't have the problem if I was just going down the road, and I'd be like, oh, babe, I don't know where I'm going. But I'm probably not ever going to do that. That's why I bought the GPS. So um, (laughs) when we look at Isaiah here, though, Isaiah says, yeah, I'm, I'm lost. I'm busted. I'm broke. I'm trying to be happy, and I'm not happy. I'm, I find myself sad. I find myself depressed. I'm trying to get through life. I want to do good. And, and, and it's like, as long as I put up this front like everything's good, I'm not getting any help. But as soon as I can say, you know what? I'm broke spiritually. That's when God says, okay, now you're blessed. Now you've taken that first step towards blessing, and that brings us automatically to the second step. It's a logical progression. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, well, if this is a logical progression, what are they mourning about? What are we mourning about? We're mourning about the fact that we're broke, that we're busted, that we're lost, that we're sad, that we're hurting. We're mourning about that when we recognize, yeah, so God, I am lost, I am messed up, and I'm sad about it. I'm not happy about this. He's saying, blessed are you when, when you mourn because, because you're not okay with it. See, in Matthew chapter 26, Peter denied Jesus. 
And, and, and we see that the Bible says, and here it says that Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. He just lost it over his sin. He just lost it. I wonder, have you ever been at that spot? Are you there now where you're mourning over your sin? Where you're just losing it? You're laying in bed at night just crying, God, I'm so sorry. I, I don't want to do this. I don't want this same pattern anymore. I can remember as a kid, I had I was probably six, seven years old. I had one of those nights where I couldn't sleep at night, and, and, and I'd wake up, and I'd remember all these things I've done wrong, so I'd go wake my parents up in the middle of the night. They're, Dan, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I cheated on a test at school, and, and I lied about this, and, 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 and I, I, took, I took that stuff from Mindy's room, and it was actually me who lit Mindy's Barbie on fire. Um, like, you know, I, I had all these things, and I was... I was, I was weeping over my sin. I was mourning. I can tell you, it wasn't just a kid thing. I still do that. I don't call my parents in the middle of the night anymore. That, that'd be weird. Um, but do you have those times when you're like, okay, I recognize my sin, and I'm mourning over my sin. The Bible says that, that, that Peter wept bitterly over his sin. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn. That's the second step. The third step comes in the very next verse. It says, then blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This might seem like it's a little bit out of place because I think I, I, early, I had an earlier definition of meekness in my life where I would think weakness, you know. I think Barney Fife, like, like you, you have the bullet but keep it in your pocket, right? Like you're powerless, right? I had this idea that weakness and meekness were the same thing, but if you look into what the word actually means, meekness means bridled strength. It's the same word for a bit in a horse's mouth. He's saying taking all the power and all the strength that a horse has and putting it under control. And when you put it under the control, then the master can control the horse so that the horse isn't gonna run around and hurt himself with his own strength, but now the horse can be guided because of meekness. Now, if you see the progression, you see that there's a progression of, I, I was far from God. I, I was poor spiritually. I, I was destitute. I was broke. I was impoverished. I started mourning over that sin. But then there comes this step of saying, God, I need to hand the controls of my life over to you. Because as long as I try to power through it, I hurt myself more. And that's what a lot of us do. Right, we say, if I could just, I, I'm just going to get stronger and I'm not going to mess up here anymore. Uh, I'm just, I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to get on the internet and look at those sites anymore. I'm not going to drink so much anymore. Uh, I'm not going to flirt with that person at the office anymore. We just think, if I can just get strong enough and powerful enough, then I won't have these problems anymore. But Jesus says that blessed is the person when you finally realize you don't have the strength within yourself, and it's time for you to turn the reins of your own life over to your Savior. See, the first three steps... In the Beatitudes, the first three steps here on the Sermon of the Mountain is Jesus giving us a game plan of how you and I come into a relationship with him and how we get saved. You say, God, I'm a sinner, I'm messed up, and I'm not okay with being a sinner, so God, would you please take control of my life? Would you grab the reins of my life because I need you? I need you, God. I need you. 
And that brings us to the fourth thing that Jesus says. The fourth step here comes in verse, verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Again, it's a logical progression. So once you turn your life over to Jesus and you start experiencing what Jesus can do for you, you go, okay, for a long period of time, I had an appetite towards sin. I had an appetite towards doing things my own way. And in doing that, I was sick all the time. I was hurting all the time. I hurt other people all the time. But now I'm starting to experience the fact that Jesus' righteousness is coming out of me, that, that, that he's blessing me, that I'm happy, I'm joyful, that the fruit of the Spirit's coming out of me. And now I'm hungering for that. I don't want that junk anymore. I want what God wants for me now. And he's saying, blessed are you when you get to the point where you're like, I don't... I don't want anything else. I want righteousness now. If you've ever been on a diet for a long period of time, you recognize that there are things that you used to love all the time. You go through McDonald's and you would eat the cheeseburgers and the fries and, and you loved it. You had a hunger for it, a craving for it. But if you eat healthy long enough, your cravings will change. And you'll start to crave the, the healthy food and the salads and the, and the chicken and the salmon. I've never experienced that, but that's what people say. Right, You start to crave it. You crave the good stuff. And Jesus is saying, okay, in this progression, the more you experience following me, I'm going upstream, I'm going against what the world does, the more you experience following me, there are things that are going to change on the inside. You're going to be spiritually broke. You're going to mourn for that. You're going to turn the reins of your life over to me. And you're no longer going to want what the world has. The first four steps here are, are, the, are the preparation steps and becoming a follower of Jesus. Then the next four steps we're gonna look at are the presentation steps. So, so first we're being prepared on the inside, it's all internal. These next four steps that he talks about, this is how you show that you're a follower of Christ to the rest of the world. This, this is external. The rest of the world's gonna start to recognize that you're my follower because of what happens next. And he says in verse seven, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Isn't it interesting that the very first outward step we take being a follower of Christ is to show the very thing that we just received from God. We didn't deserve his grace and his love, but it was only because of his mercy we received it. And now he's saying, now he's saying, now I'm going to lead you into being merciful towards other people. You're going to start showing love and showing kindness to other people, and it's a difficult thing. You start to ask the question, well, how do I show mercy to someone who doesn't vote like me and act like me and, and dress like me? And how do I do these things? And, and as we follow him, he's saying, the next step I'm taking you on is to show you how to be merciful and kind to other people in the easiest way. And what he does for each and every one of us to help us be merciful for other people is to remind us where we came from. Because any time I've ever met someone who's like super judgmental towards the world, can you believe they act that way? Can you believe they vote that way? Can you believe their sin? I'm telling you, every time I've ever met someone like that, they're the person that has just decided to forget what Jesus forgave them for. Because if you look back and you, you realize, you know what? My problems might not have looked exactly like their problems, but I deserved, I deserved hell. I deserve 
for a lack of forgiveness. I deserve all these bad things, but Jesus in his mercy and his kindness lifted me out of that. Who am I to receive his mercy and not share it with other people? The next step, we see the sixth step, is blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, does this mean pure in heart? Does that mean you're, you're never going to have a negative thought again? Never going to have an impure thought again? Absolutely not. That's not what it means. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't tell us that we have to take captive every thought, if that's what it means. But when Jesus is saying pure in heart here, he's talking about authenticity. He's talking about sincerity. He's talking about are you real or are you a hypocrite? Are you, are you putting a mask on to try to look a certain way as opposed to being authentic to what's really going on in your life? I can remember when Eli, my, my nephew, was just a very young little boy. He was in a high chair having Cheerios, and we, we stopped in at my sister's house one day just to drop in. And, and I came in, and my, my sister was back in her bedroom, and when she came out, she put one of those things. You women do weird things, Okay. She put one of those green masks on her face um, because it's like some facial thing that these green masks, it makes you look pretty, apparently. Um, so she comes out, and, and my response right in front of Eli was, oh, dear God, right? Well, apparently that wasn't good for Eli because it set him off. It freaked him out. He was scared of his mom now, and, and the whole time he's looking at her, he's like trying to eat his Cheerios, and he put his Cheerios back down. He's looking at her like, who is this monster that just came in my house? You know, it was like really freaky, and my sister's like, thanks a lot, Dan. This is real helpful. I'm like, I didn't put that junk on your face. You put that junk on your face, okay? So don't be mad at me. But Eli's looking at her, and she's talking to him. I said, Eli, it's mama, it's mama. And she picked him up, and he's leaning back like, ah! And I can remember, he starts poking her face. He starts, like, poking at like, just poking. And he was poking because he wanted to know, is this real? Are you really my mom? Is this real? What, what is this? And, and, and really, I can tell you that, guys, we live in a world we live in a culture who's poking around to find out if we're real. And we live in a culture that can see the mask. We're living in a culture that, that, that sees that we put stuff on and we try to cover things up and they're going, wait a minute, is this real? Is this really who you are? Are you authentic here? Is this pure? Um, or, or, or is there something else that you're covering up right now? And I remember just like Eli was going, I don't know about this. This doesn't seem right. There's a mask here. This is strange. And my sister was having to explain to him, it's just a mask. It's just a mask. Well, th- this Bible says, The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So clearly in Scripture here, the Bible tells you, if you're wearing a mask, you won't see God. It's only when we get authentic and we say, I'm going to take off the mask. I'm going to stop acting like I got it all together. Because after all, it's Sunday we showed up, I got, I got my Sunday best on, we're happy, we're, we're here together, we're looking good. And we tell our kids, shut up, don't you get in a fight when we're in church here, we're going in. Bless God, we're doing good today. Bless God. Yeah, we come in, come in the back of the church, how are you? I'm just doing, God is blessing us, it's awesome. Your wife won't even look at you because you're being so much of a jerk in the car on the way here, but bless God, we're doing good. And we put these masks on, and we go, why can't I see God? 
Why can't I tell what's going on? Why can't I, I, I want to know what he wants me to do in my life, but, but really no one's going to accept me if, I, if they know I have my problems, so I've got to put up this front, I've got to cover it up, and if I can appear like i got everything together, then, then somehow I'll be fine. And the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And i got to tell you guys, it's what I love about this church. It's what so many of you love about this church is, in this church, we don't respect the idea of putting a mask on to try to make it act like you got, you got it all together. But we're real with each other. And we know we got our sin patterns. We got our struggles. We're hurting. We're trying. We're, we're here. We're worshiping together. And then, and then we leave and we go struggle in the workplace and we pray for each other and we come back and, and, and we do it again. And the reason why is because none of us are going to put a mask on and expect to see God. What we're doing is we're taking the mask off and saying we are broken, we're messed up, and we need help and I need to see my Savior. So Jesus says... Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And the seventh thing he says is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are people who are full of the fruit of the Spirit. They're slow to speak. They're, 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 they're wise. They're quick to listen. You know, I think one of the best examples I've ever heard of a peacemaker is someone who is a thermostat, not a thermometer. Because every one of us, we act in one of those directions. You could come into a room and you can be the thermometer and say, I can tell you the climate of this room. It's negative in there. Or you can be the thermostat. And you could come into a room and say, I can tell you the climate of this room and I'm going to change it right now because it's not okay. That's the peacemaker. And I think every one of us, we, we, know, some, we know some thermostats. And unfortunately, it's a lot easier to point out and recognize the thermostats that are doing it the wrong way, right? You know the person in the office where, where it's like, man, everyone's happy. It's a good atmosphere in the room. They come in the room and it's like, whoa, right? Like, you don't want to be that type of thermostat. Jesus is saying, no, be the peacemaker thermostat. Be the person who, when the conversation goes negative, no, 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 no. We have a God who loves us, and I see things differently, and our economy's coming back, and we're going to love and hope for these people. And yeah, they're making bad decisions, but we got their back. We have got to be the type of people who, instead of just pointing out the problems for people, we become the advocate for them, and we pray for them. Jesus is saying, blessed are those peacemakers. See, there's this progression that's going on. Jesus is saying, like, when you start off at church, when you start off in a relationship with God, it's not like you say, meet, you meet God, and he goes, okay, what I want you to do is become a peacemaker. No, that's not what happens at all. In fact, Jesus starts us on a journey. So let's review the journey so far. We'll look at the first seven. We see there's some steps that take place here. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then blessed are the persecuted. So now we've been on this progression where we're, we're climbing where Jesus is trying to bring us. And we go, wait, wait a minute. What was that last thing you just said? Jesus, what did you just say? I've been following you on this whole journey. The Bible says, 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I know I'm standing up here on the top of this ladder right now. I know there's a lot of you looking up here, and you see my shiny bald head, and you think, man, I'd love to just shake that ladder and watch his bald head bounce off the stage, right? And that's because when you see someone rising up, when you see someone growing, when you see someone come to the top, what the world wants to do is the world wants to knock you down. And, and when the world sees that, that yeah, things are changing, that, that God's blessing you, that you're not the same person you used to be, and you used to go to the parties, and you used to fit in and have all sorts of negative conversations, you used to do these things, and now it's like you're on a different level, and up on this different level, they look at you and they go, I think i got to knock them off of this. Because if he's at that level, it makes me feel bad about being at the level that I'm on right now. And Jesus is saying, so you've got to understand something. I'm going to take you to a new place. And if you follow me counterculturally, I'm going to take you to a place where eventually the world's not going to know what to do with you. So we sat there in Outback Steakhouse. And the manager came out and and he said, sir, we'll, we'll dry clean your suit for you. We'll fix this. We'll, uh, uh, you know, in fact, we're going to give this waitress a really good talking to. She needs to understand the etiquette of how we handle ourselves as servers here. And, all this. And, and, and they're trying to fix all these problems. And my father, he, he says, no, no. She, she's a great young waitress. A mistake happened. It's no big deal. Forget about it. Just forget about it. And he's standing up there on the top, and you can tell that everyone, everyone around us, they wanted to pound the flesh. They're saying, no, that ain't okay. Knock him off the ladder. That's not good enough. We, gotta, we somehow got to knock him down. And this is what Jesus warns us about. He says, if you follow me, I'm going to take you to a place where the world will not understand the level of blessing that you're at. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I believe right now that you're beginning to show us what stage that we're on in this journey of being blessed. Where you've got us right now, because I think in this room there's a lot of us who are in different places. There's people in this room just kind of uh, searching for you, recognizing that, yeah, we're, we're, we're sinful, we're broken, we need a Savior. There's also people in this room that we've been following you and, and, and we're on different levels here. Going, Why is it the world is treating me so bad? Why am I going through difficulty? Why, why is it not easy? Like, why, why am I having a hard time experiencing showing mercy to other people? And, and Jesus, we recognize now that because of your great love for us, you showed us that this is a journey so that you can take us from the really low, dark place we were and bring us to a whole nother level. So God, in Jesus' name right now, I pray that you would be with us. I pray you bless each person here. I pray that we leave here encouraged, not leaving here going, man, I got so much farther to go, but leaving here going, thank you, God, that you've brought me so far. So God, we stop for a moment and just say thank you. Thank you for where you've brought us. Thank you for the journey we're on, and thank you that we're not on it alone but we're with you. So God, we love you so much. We praise you. We thank you for how great you are. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love you guys. See you next Sunday.
Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next.